Fan Junkies Radio is brought to you by FanJunkies.net, where sports meets social networking. Gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of Fan Junkies Radio. I am your host, Jonathan Ragus, and alongside me, Mike McShane. Mike, what's up, bud? How are we doing, John? It's good to have you back, man. Uh, good to be back, man. I mean, I, uh, uh, took a lot of crap from people on Monday. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> from, from, from uh, Ray Blanchett over at the WIFL. Uh, well, Jim and I tried to hold things down. You got to know that's going to happen, man. I mean, you know, you you you, you miss, and well, well. You know, it's it's kind of like when the when when the uh, when the substitute teacher comes in. You know, oh, we're gonna have to. You know, we gotta we gotta talk bad about the about the regular guy. Well, as long as nobody throws pencil erasers at my head, then we're good. <laughs> yeah, but I was down and out, man. Let me tell you, man. I, I don't like to miss a show, but uh, thank uh, you know thanks to Jim Williams for uh, helping us out and covering me. Yeah, that, I'll tell you too. We had all kinds of issues trying to get that show going, but somehow or another, we pulled that one off. Uh, just oh, minutes, Friday on a Monday, huh? It was minutes before I couldn't get anything to work over here on my end, and uh, I don't know. Somehow or another, we got it going. See, you need me, Mike. Uh, it, it it seems it seems as such. <laughs> seems as such, yes. All right, well, I don't know if Ray still feels that way. I'd have to, you know. Nah, Ray's all by himself right now. <laughs> but I did uh, miss interviewing Ray, so yeah. Uh, Ray's a good friend, though, so I get to talk to him on a daily basis. I don't need to interview him. Uh, there you go. We'll, uh, we'll leave that for you and Jim next time again. All right. <laughs> All right, well, let's, uh, you know, actually, but, uh, you know, be, uh, before we get into anything, I just uh, we want to send our condolences out to the family and friends of uh, former NFL coaches Jack Parday and Chuck Fairbanks, uh, both passing away uh, within uh, the same day, right? I think they both passed away on it was uh, within 24 hours. Uh, Party uh, uh, passed um, not yesterday. Uh, yesterday was what Tuesday, but he passed away late Monday. Yeah. And then Fairbanks was yesterday. Yeah. So back to back. Within yeah, it was like within uh, 18 hours or something. Yeah. Two big coaches, two yep. legendary coaches. So yeah. uh, once again, our condolences out to the family and friends of uh, Chuck Party. Uh, excuse me, Jack Party and Chuck Fairbanks. Yep. Uh, big losses for NFL and NCAA. Um, let's, uh, also talk about our, uh, last Friday show, we talked about some of the best sports movies ever made, Mike. Yeah. And, uh, great show, we talked a lot, and there was a lot of movies we missed. But we listeners, we had a tremendous listenership on that show. Oh, it was amazing, amazing. Uh, it was a great show, loved it, and, uh, our listeners loved it, great numbers, uh, but the people voting, that's what we're talking about now, is you have to get on and vote. You have to go to fradhousesports.net. We set up a poll system there, and all you got to do is go, and uh, you know you go to the baseball category inside the article, you click which movie you like, and you vote for it. Do it the same thing for football, basketball, uh, hockey, boxing, and other. Some great, great results are going right now, and yep. uh, we're going to announce them on what, Monday, Mike? Uh, Friday. This Friday. Friday, yeah. You know, what we'll do is, um, yeah, everybody can vote right up until about 11 o'clock, maybe even just a little bit after 11 o'clock on Monday, because, uh, you know, right before we go to airtime. 
And uh, the poll's completely interactive. It's keeping track of all the results. Some of the results are incredibly close at this point. And then, uh, Jonathan, what we'll do is we will take the top six from each of those categories and we'll run another poll for next week's show where everybody decides which of those six movies was the very best of all of the sports films. Awesome. Can't wait to see that. That's going to be great. That is going to be great. So, Fradhousesports.net. That's where you can find the poll. Sports. And where is it on Sports.net? It'll be right up in the featured. It shows it's one of the first ones that comes up on the page when you go to the page. Awesome. Definitely looking forward to that. Yep. So we'll get to that on Friday. But for now, let's go back to our hydrate picks because we missed it on Monday, unfortunately. Yep. And uh, let's see. Cumulative results here, Jonathan. Both you and I are tied with three hat tricks apiece. Uh, but when you go to the second number, which is how many we've gotten right and how many we've gotten wrong, it's uh, ridiculously close. I'm 41 and 37, and you are 40 and 38. Ew. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Absolutely. That's how close it is. Land of mediocrity, man. Kinda, yeah, exactly. Kind of reminds me of <laughs> Neither our, one of us could dominate. It's, it, 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 it reminds me of our football days. So. Yeah, yeah. Mediocrity runs its best. Yes, it does. All right, so let's get to uh, today's questions. And uh, our first question is, which team will win between the New York Rangers and the Pittsburgh Penguins, Mike? You know, I know this is a home game for the Rangers, and I think I know you're – you know, I absolutely know where you're going to go. But i got to go with my head here, and I'm going to go with uh, Pittsburgh. Yeah, well, I see Pittsburgh winning, but this is a big, big game that the Rangers need to win. And I'm going to give them my power, Mike. Okay. I'm going to choose my blue shirts because they need to win this game. They need to. Sure. It's not, well, we can lose this game. and No, you need to win this game. This is against a very, very big, big rival out in the East. You need to win it. Right. Um, second question. Will your Philadelphia Flyers, Mike, score a power play goal against the Habs tonight? You know, I was very shocked at this, Jonathan, when I looked it up this morning. The Philadelphia Flyers have the best power play by percentage in the entire league at almost 25%. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb. The uh, the uh, expert picks and the consensus picks are that they will not, but I'm going to say yes. I'm going to say no, Mike. Yep. Which team will win between the San Jose Sharks and the Minnesota Wild. This is an incredibly close game, and in fact, uh, Vegas has scratched the line on it, which means it's an even-up pick on this. Uh, home game for the Sharks, I'm going to pick the Sharks. Yes, I'm going with the Wild. Wow, we are completely the opposite today. Gotta love it, man. Yep. It's Wednesday, and I'm back. There you go. All right, Mike. Today in sports. Is a hockey-related one. goes back to 1977. During their, uh, well, it wouldn't have been their second, but it would have been their second in a row. Uh, Cup streak that the Montreal Canadiens had. Uh, They became the first team in NHL history to win 60 games in a season. I don't know uh, if you recall that season, Jonathan. Um, I don't even know if you were around. But, I mean, even if you perhaps may have read about it, (laughs) what a dominating, dominating team they were in 1977. Uh, on this particular day, they beat the Washington Capitals two to one. They ended their season that year with a record of sixty eight and twelve. Wow! Yep, absolutely Wowza. dominating, dominating. Uh, they went on three years in a row where they won the Stanley Cup seventy six, seventy seven, and seventy eight. Wow! Cool. Gotta love to the today in sports, man. Yep. But let's stay with the hockey trend real quick here. Today is the NHL trade deadline done at three p.m. Eastern time. Uh, so far, no trades yet. We did have a few trades, though, over the last uh, few days. Uh, recent one, 
was Ryan Klo of the San Jose Sharks going to the New York Rangers last night for three draft picks. Today, though, so far, only two waiver claims. Winnipeg claiming Mike Santarelli off waivers, and your Philadelphia Flyers just claiming Adam Hole off waivers, Mike. Oh, okay. But nothing yet. We have a lot of uh, rumors, though, going around. Um, Uh, uh, Just real quick, Jonathan. Adam Hole, defenseman? No, winger. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. No soup for you, Mike. Well, we need (laughs) Yeah. Curtis Forster, though, defenseman, uh, did clear waivers. So uh, Philadelphia didn't take a waiver on him. Okay. So uh, Adam Hole is going to most likely fill that uh, void left by uh, Max Talbot after he broke his uh, leg, it was, the other night? Uh, Correct. Yeah. Correct. Okay. All right, but we'll see what happens. We will be breaking it, and we also are following it on Ranger Nation at nwarenation.net, and you can also follow Ranger Nation on Twitter at nwarenation. Yeah, and you got all your Twitter accounts open over there, so you're following everything as we speak. Oh, yeah, we'll break it. We'll break it. I will cut you off today, Mike, to break a good trade. Oh, you wouldn't mind doing that at all. No, not at all. It's fun. <laughs> it's fun. But to make you happy, let's get into some NCAA talk because we have a lot of it. Yeah, we um, do. First, let's talk about this. Uh, you know, I'm just going to say it. The university and the coach are like, they're ass clowns. Let's talk about these clowns <laughs> today, and that's Rutgers University firing basketball coach Mike Rice after uh, a videotape aired uh, showing him shoving, grabbing players, throwing basketball at players' heads, using uh, uh, you know uh, gay slurs during the practices, and just really uh, terrorizing these players. Um, I'm mad about it because this guy should have been fired five months ago, Mike. Yeah, uh, well, five months ago, probably, probably even before that. You know, it's the old line that, you know, you can't change the tiger's stripes. This guy obviously had a, uh, you know, when you take a look at the videotape, it's obvious that it's not one day. There there were multiple, multiple examples of this going over a period of time. So this kind of thing was just going on and on and on. Uh, So I'm sure that it it probably, you know, there was probably cause to, to, to can the guy well before even four or five months ago. Uh, it's it's just it, I don't know, man. It's I watched the video. Mm-hmm. We read, we listened to the comments today because he was speaking out on. Uh, yeah, I think that was ABC. Uh, we, yeah, it was Channel Six, Channel Six News, right here in Philadelphia. It, it's 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 just disgusting. I'm sorry, you know what? I I I read some of the Twitter comments last night from LeBron James and from Drew Holiday and all these other guys, and all these guys said I've never ever once had a coach do any of this type of stuff to me. I, you know, it's not, a play, I have never interacted with a head coach that was disabusive. Yeah, you know, and it's not like we don't have precedent. Uh, I mean, there have been numerous coaches in the past that have done things that have been, you know, that have been candid. I mean, you know, when you start talking basketball, the first one that comes to my mind is one that I have a tremendous amount of respect for. But God knows the guy went over the line constantly, and that was Bobby Knight. <laughs> I thought the same thing. <laughs> you know, but, you know, and ultimately it caught up to him. You know, now look. Let's get it straight. But Mike Rice is not Bobby Knight. You know, uh, so obviously there was a lot more tolerance for uh, Bobby Knight's behavior over what this this guy ended his uh, what? I think he's only been at Rutgers for three seasons so far. Yeah. He's had a losing record. This is yeah. not a guy that you're gonna. Oh my gosh, we got to keep Mike Rice around. He's he, you know uh, he's he's so great a coach. I mean, you could have easily gotten rid of this guy without any issue whatsoever. Yeah. Um. I think what's reprehensible here, Jonathan, and, you know, uh, God knows we have seen far too much of this kind of thing in the past year and a half. 
what's far what's what's really reprehensible is that the AD knowing that the information, having the information in his hand, seeing the videos in advance four or five months ago, did not make did not do anything to act at that particular time. Which is why I said Rutgers uh, is an ass clown. Absolutely, and and and, w- and what's even more reprehensible was that the AD uh, and 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 Rutgers athletics knew that the story was going to break yesterday, and so what they did was they actually called the media, particularly local media, in advance, had them come in, and they showed them the video in advance, and then tried to explain themselves before the story actually hit. Yeah. So again, that goes right to their. Uh, that goes right to the heart of of their motivation. That really, what all they were trying to do was just hide it, you know. And we've seen this far too often. I mean, you know, you go to Penn State as the most recent example. It's you know, disgusting. the culture, the culture of sports versus academics. There we go. Yeah, this is you know, it, it, it's a disgrace. It's yeah. absolutely a disgrace. Well, listen, the guy needed to be fired, but he was fired for the wrong thing. He was fired because of of this video making the news. Correct. He was fired because it was good for business right now for Rutgers. It's damage control. That's all it is. He wasn't fired because of what he did to these players. He was fired because of the university looking like asses. There's the, absolutely. Absolutely. And again, I, I mean, this goes right to, as I said, exactly what the apparent motivation was, as we saw over at Penn State. Now, obviously, we're talking about two completely different types of violations. Well, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, I do not want to. I don't. I don't want to give the impression that I'm comparing <laughs> the severity of the violations. They're similar, but not. Yeah. Uh, but nonetheless, violations and, and what's the school attempting to do? The school, by virtue of its administrative um, decision makers, are not making the right decisions. Obviously, not the right decision to make here. Now, let me ask you this: Do you see the NCAA somehow punishing Rutgers now for this? Uh. Well, uh, I wouldn't say initially. Only because they let this go for so long, and basically the only reason why this has come to light and why this guy is now out of a job was because it made the news. Uh, interesting question. Uh, of course, we haven't heard. I think it's far too early to hear whether NCAA will, in, in fact, launch their own investigation into it. Uh, you would think that perhaps maybe they should. Mm-hmm. Um I w- I think probably the better thing to do would be at this particular time, uh, the chancellor or the president of the school should probably remove the AD. Yeah. Well, now, did the chancellor or the president of the school have a say in what happened with this, or was this all on the shoulders of the athletic director, and did they not know about this? Yeah, see, and that's where where this might depart somewhat from the PSU situation, because, in fact, there's been no indication – to implicate anyone higher than the AD at this particular time. Hmm. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see what happens with that. We'll, we'll definitely keep everybody updated on that if we hear any more news coming out of uh, Rutgers and uh, the Scarlet's basketball team over there. Yep. Uh, let's talk about another uh, ass clown coach here, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> FDCU's Andy Enfield uh, signing a uh, six-year deal. With the USC Trojans, uh, you're not too happy about this, are you? I'm not, and I'll tell you why. Uh, you know, Florida Gulf Coast University, and we've been talking about them now for the better part of, what, about 10 days. Yeah. You know, a great feel-good story, a Cinderella team, a number 15 coming in there, heading out all the way out to the Sweet 16. Um, and, and, you know, suddenly everybody's everybody's talking FGCU. You know, everybody knows who Florida Gulf Coast is all of a sudden. Yeah. This guy wins two freaking games, all right, in the NCAA tournament, and suddenly he's now a uh, he's, he's a Pac-12 
uh, he's a Pac-12 coach, making, making, mind you, uh, well in excess of a million dollars over what Florida Gulf Coast was making, was was paying. So he not only gets himself a new school, he gets himself a million dollar raise. <coughs> Excuse me for winning two NCAA tournament games. Mm-hmm. All right. Now- now he does this without even, without any kind of notice, without leaving, without without saying anything to to the students he left behind, the student athletes. Nothing. Just boom. That's it. I'm out the door. Yeah. Now, from the standpoint of Florida Gulf Coast, you gotta wonder. You know, this they were helped so greatly by what happened in the NCAA tournament from the standpoint of recruitment and recognition. And now all of a sudden they've got to deal with the fact that, well, the very guy, Enfield, if in fact he would become the face of the team, the very guy that took them there is no longer a part of that program. No. No. It's a shame. Uh, Now, let me ask you this. Do you see Andy Enfield being successful at USC? Well, Because remember, he was an assistant coach in the NBA. So he does have not just NCAA experience. Well, look at the resources he's going to have available to him. I mean, I mean, right off the bat, I mean, he's making a million dollars more than what he was making down at Florida Gulf Coast. Yeah. So obviously, USC is a is a is a Pac-12 school that's rich with resources, um, and, and 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 he's got the pick of the pick, and the you know uh, from from the standpoint of of, uh, of uh, recruitment and, and prospects that he can go after, uh, much more than he did at Florida Gulf Coast. So. Uh, could he be successful? Uh, obviously, obviously he could be successful. I'm not, I'm not sure whether he will be, but obviously he could be. Uh, you know, my I guess my big complaint with it, Jonathan, and, and and let's just go to it real quick because you had brought it up to me, you know, pre-show. M- my big issue with this is the timing. Yeah. It just seems to me I'm not I I'm not trying to deny Andy Enfield anything better than what he had. I know I'm not trying to deny him of that. I just thought that the timing really, really was was poor. Yeah. You know. Do you, you think know, this is a slap in the face to his guys? I do. I really yeah. do. I think you know. You no sooner you no sooner get eliminated from the tournament, and within within days, literally, you know, you could count the hours. Bam! All of a sudden, he's you know, hey, I'm out on the West Coast now. Yeah. You know, and, and to me, you wait until the tournament's over. <laughs> wait uh, even another week thereafter, ten days thereafter, and then you know, all right, uh, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna make a move. You know, this is a this is a a career opportunity for me. You know, then make the change. But yeah. that, that's where I come down on it. I guess we'll uh, see next year if uh, Andy Enfield is going to be the uh, next upcoming NCAA coach or not, or if this is just a flash in the pan. Well, USC is 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 always always a threat over there in the Pac-12. So don't don't be surprised if you if you see it. Yeah. Well. I just want to let the officials know over down here at uh, Florida Gulf Coast University that for $157,000 here, I will be happy to coach your team if you need somebody. Give me a call. That'd be a good opportunity for you. Oh, yeah, it'd be a great opportunity for me. Um, let's talk about this Pac-12 story that you uh, sent over to me a couple of days ago, Mike. Um, Pac-12 head of officials investigating for targeting Arizona Sean Miller. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about that and what's going on? Well, apparently uh, the head of officials, and this was during the Pac-12, uh, their conference tournament. It was not during the NCAA. So the head of the officials was having a, a meeting um, during, uh, I, I believe it was like during one, uh, uh, the morning of one of the games that were being played uh, during the Pac-12 uh, conference tournament. Yeah. And he had all the officials there, and uh, he offered 
to uh, any of the officials that were officiating the Arizona game, uh, offered to them uh, either a $5,000, uh, he would give any official $5,000 or a trip to Cancun if they either rang up or ran out the head coach of Arizona, Sean Miller. Yeah. Uh, this was absolutely <laughs> one of the most disgraceful uh, things I have read. You know, uh, when you consider that the head of officials for the Pac-12 would make a statement like this. Now, he attempted to, the head of the officials, Ed Rush, attempted to dispel it by saying, uh, well, it was all done in jest. Mm-hmm. Well, listen, you should know better than to make a comment like that in jest. I mean, even in jest, the implication of what you're indicating that in some way or another you would rig this as a referee uh, to just purposefully run a guy out. I mean, this is, you know, it's it, it's not dissimilar to Bounty Gate, right? We're just going to ring a guy up, get him thrown out of the game. Well, now, uh, what was the reason for it, though? He said he was just joking around with it. <clears throat> that's, what it that's what he indicated, that he was just joking around. Yeah. Uh, here's where I come down on whether he was joking around or not. All right. You know, I can I could see saying a, you know making a joke. I mean, Arizona is one of the favorites to come out of the conference tournament, and I could see standing up in front of a group of guys and going, "All right, well, you know, we got Arizona on the docket today against so and so. Uh, you know, eh, Arizona's favorite. Hey, well, I'll tell you what, I'll give you five thousand dollars to anybody that can that can ring that coach up and get him out of here. Uh, they're going to make the tournament anyhow. All right, that's a joke. But when you go five thousand dollars or a trip to Cancun. Well, now you've given it some thought, haven't you? I would think so. I mean, I mean, you're offering one or the other. So, by virtue of throwing the extra one in there, I'll give five thousand dollars or a trip to Cancun. Now it starts to make it sound like, oh, uh, he gave it some thought. Now, apparently, Pac-12 officials looked into it, and uh, they, they apparently uh, Ed Rush was pulled in. He was reprimanded, uh, and uh, they indicated that based on their review of the whole thing. Uh, it was all done in, in uh, you know, there was no malice intended by it, and uh, there was nothing to it. Yeah. Well, uh, college basketball insider Gary Parrish wrote uh, something up yesterday saying, joking or not, Pac-12 coordinator of officials at a rush must be fired. I would agree. Yeah. I would agree. You know, well, I guess if the video comes out in five months, man, well, I guess he'll get fired then. It, it, it's just, you know, you should know better than to make a statement like that, you know, uh, where it would give any kind of inkling that, you know, you're trying to, in some way or another, slant the whole thing. It's yeah. just, it's absolutely wrong. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you there, man. Um, <coughs> let's, that's uh, the Pac-12 our Andy uh, Enfield's going to, so. Yeah, well, maybe he'll get a uh, trip to Cancun, man, if he does something to get the Arizona <laughs> coach kicked out. Why not? He already got a million dollars for doing nothing. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Let's uh, throw out the number here for our uh, listeners. If you want to call in and ask us a question, throw out a comment, or talk about something we spoke about today, uh, it's 347-237-5373. Give us a call. Let's talk a little baseball, Mike. Uh, Opening day was Monday, April Fool's Day. Yep. Nothing really foolish about it, though. So let's talk about some of the games on Friday, some of the better games on Friday. Um, Red Sox beating the Yankees 8-2. CC Sabathia... Didn't look so good, Mike. Uh-huh. Um, my Mets defeating the Padres 11-2. to 
And uh, John Neese looked real good. Uh, what I was more shocked about was uh, Colin uh, Cowgill, center fielder, that nobody really wanted a team uh, knocking in a grand slam. Mm-hmm. Great stuff there. Um, Nationals defeating the Marlins 2 nothing. Well, and that was 2 nothing on two home runs by uh, Bryce Harper. Exactly. Um, White Sox defeating the Royals only one to nothing. The Detroit Tigers and uh, Justin Verlander getting a 4-2 win over the Twins. And uh, Vance Worley didn't look that bad for Minnesota, Mike. No, no, not at all. Not at all. Um, Cubs undefeated. I know Cubs fans are happy about that, but unfortunately that was opening day and it won't last long. Uh, 3-1 win over the Pirates. Mariners 2-0 over the Athletics. Brewers 5-4 over the Rockies in 10 innings. The Dodgers with a 4 nothing win over the uh, San Francisco Giants. Clayton Kershaw um, not only tossed, tossed the shutout, but he hit a yep. home run. Absolutely. Uh, pr- tremendous performance. Tremendous performance there from Kershaw. Yep. Uh, Atlanta Braves knocking off your Phillies, Mike, 7-5. to Did you watch the game? I did. Uh, you know, there were some positives to take out of it. Uh, Jay Sutley went one uh, went one hit away from a, from hitting the cycle. Um but, uh, but that's not what you want your pitcher to do. <laughs> uh, well, no, uh, but yeah, the, um, the 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 negative was, uh, in my opinion, I I, I didn't think Hamels uh, had a very strong game. Well, three home runs he gave up. Yeah, not a very strong game. Freddie Freeman, Dan Ugla, and Justin Upton, who a lot of people said, oh, you know, not a good uh, acquisition for Atlanta, but he looked really good in on the field and in the batter square. Yep, so. yep, yep. So we'll see where things go today and see if we can improve on some of that stuff. Absolutely. Mike Young looked terrible over at third base defensively. Uh, well, we'll see what happens, man. It's a different uh, scenery for him, man, being stuck down in Texas for so many years. Yep. I'm sure he'll uh, look a little better, though, throughout the season. Uh, also, Diamondbacks beating the Cardinals 6-2, to and the Angels beating the Cincinnati Reds 3-1 to in 13 innings. Yep. Uh, let's go over to yesterday's games, Mike, real quick. Yep. Uh, Orioles and Rays. I watched a little bit of this game. This is actually a real good game. Orioles now one and zero in a season. Seven uh, four win. Hamill looked real good yesterday for the uh, Baltimore Orioles. I think Orioles are going to do really really good this year. I think they might duplicate last year's record, and a lot of people said that wouldn't happen, but I think they can actually do it, Mike. I'm holding on to it. I've got them winning the AL East. I like the Orioles a lot. Nice. I like that. Uh, Rockies had uh, defeated the Brewers four to one. So both teams now one and one, splitting the. Uh, Series so far there, uh, they play again to uh, tomorrow, I believe. Um, Indians defeating the Blue Jays 4-1 on the official scoreboard. The Mets won, R.A. Dickey 0. Did not look good yesterday yep. for the Blue Jays at all. Uh, Cardinals 6-1 over the Diamondbacks. 7-0 Rangers over the Astros. You Darvish, first game of the season, almost pitches a perfect game, Mike. One out away. No, two outs it was. Oh, was it two? Yeah, two outs. That's, okay. that's what I thought, too. I, I, I believe it was two outs away. Okay. I and uh, I'm not sure who exactly got the knock. I think it was uh, Gonzalez over at shortstop or the second baseman, but right through Darvish's legs. It, it, it was heartbreaking. Darvish pitched. Hold on one second. He pitched eight and two-thirds. Yep. So he was one out away. It was one out away. Yep. Oh, wow. Yep. That's yep. What a shame! Uh, I mean, in some respects, I gotta tell you, you Darvish is just phenomenal, and uh, kind of a kind of a shame that he didn't get it. You know, it's funny when you see that kind of thing; you almost have to root for the guy, whether you're uh, a Rangers fan or not. You know, it doesn't matter whether you're a fan of that particular team or not. When you see that kind of thing going, uh, as a fan, you you just jump right in and you're rooting for him. No, but seriously, how much worse could it get 
for the Houston Astro fans to be not only shut out possibly in your first game, but to have a pitcher pitch a perfect game against you? Well, they won their first game, which was on um, – Okay, okay, that was their second. Okay, I thought yeah. it was their first game. They won their first game, which was on Sunday. That was the Sunday night game. So uh, they were they were actually – Okay. Yeah, you know, for they they were able to say for a couple of hours that they were leading Major League Baseball because it was the only game on Sunday, uh, <laughs> and they had a one they had a one zero record. So, <laughs> okay. well, right now leading uh, Major League Baseball with a two zero record is the Seattle Mariners. Believe it or not, not surprised actually. Seattle had a very very good spring uh, exhibition season. I told you, man, they're going to turn some heads, and a lot of people told me I was crazy. But Mike Morse with two home runs yesterday. Uh, 7-1 win over the Athletics, and uh, before we get to uh, talking a little bit about the Mariners, um, 3 nothing Giants over Dodgers yesterday, and uh, that was it for that. But let's talk a little bit about the Mariners real quick. Did you watch any of the Mariners games at all, Mike? Did not. No, okay. Um, they look good. I, you know, I, Morse was a good pickup. Um, I don't think we've seen Jason Bay bat yet. For them, the pitching staff looked real good. Um, Iwakuma yesterday had uh, seven strikeouts mm-hmm. for Seattle. I, I I still think that they're you know they might not be a playoff team, but I think they're going to do a lot better than uh, what people keep saying. Uh, well, like I said, they had a very very good uh, preseason yeah. exhibition season, sure. and it, it doesn't it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. Um, it you know obviously you're making Seattle to be something of a sleeper team this year. I've been saying I've been saying watch uh, the KC Royals. I have a funny feeling they could. Yeah. Well, you heard me before. I, I definitely said you know Seattle Mariners could be some. Yeah. I, I like some of the guys they got. You know, you got Saunders out there in center field. Uh, I, I I like the pickup of Mike Morris. I like uh, them. You know, bringing in guys like Abanias to put with uh, you know Montero and Smoke and uh, Kendra Morales as the DH. I, you know, I I think that was a good pickup for them. So. Right. Right. You know, you know, we'll see what they do. It's still early on. You know, you can be, uh, you can go ten and zero in baseball. Doesn't mean anything. So, uh, uh, I, I, in the beginning of the season, absolutely. Yeah, doesn't mean nothing. You can go twenty and zero in Major right. League Baseball. Doesn't mean absolutely absolutely nothing. Yeah. But uh, you know what? It's nice to see uh, teams that uh, you know people talk down about early on to uh, come out to a nice start. So, especially in Seattle, I mean, Seattle's got some great fans. They really do. I miss those old Mariners teams there with Jay Buhner and all those guys. Uh, yeah, I hear you. I'm just looking down the list of games for today and seeing what the matchups were real quick. But uh, yeah, we got. Uh, let's see what we got today. We got uh, Wilson Alatos going with the, uh, you know, with the Angels and Reds. Right. Um, Santana and Peavy for Royals and White Sox. We got Matt Harvey on the mound for the Mets against uh, Richard with the Padres. Uh, Ogando and Humber, Rangers and Astros. Uh, Gio Gonzalez and Slowey for Nationals and Marlins. Uh, let's see who else do we have here today. Uh, Korean Sanchez for Twins and Tigers. Right. Jackson Rodriguez, Cubs and Pirates. Uh, Buckholes and Corota for Red Sox and Yankees. Holiday for your Phillies, Mike. Uh, you better hope he turns it around. Yeah. Because he had an awful, awful spring. Terrible, terrible. Uh, and um, we're gonna we're waiting to see what he can what what he can. He looks a little better in the final exhibition uh, game, but. Uh, uh, there's still a lot of uh, uh, nagging doubt. Let's put it that way. Absolutely, absolutely. He's going up uh, against Mahomes today with yeah. the Atlanta Braves. Yep. Uh, Jimenez and Morrow going for the Indians and Blue Jays. Nicasio and Peralta for the Rockies and Brewers. Chen and Hellickson, Orioles and Rays. That's going to be a real good one. I want to see that one. Uh, Lennon McCarthy for the Cards and D-backs. Saunders and Malone for the Mariners and Athletics. And Lincecum and Josh Beckett 
for the Giants and Dodgers. That's probably going to be a good one, too. So. Mm-hmm. Baseball season is upon us, Mike. The offseason's gone, so I'm not. I'm no longer happy. I, I, I'm thrilled that the baseball season's here. Um, you know. No, I am too. I'm. I'm. I'm usually thrilled about it until uh, halfway mark. Yeah. No. I, you're right. I. 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 I can understand that. All right, man. Let's talk a, a little NFL. Let's talk about this big thing going on here with uh, Pro Football Weekly uh, draft analyst uh, Nolan Araki. Um, man, what a uh, scathing report he did on Geno Smith, Mike. Yeah. Uh, why don't you tell us about some of the things that Nolan Araki said? Well, this this hit ESPN yesterday. Um, I, I, I couldn't even get over the kind of report that uh, Naraki put out. Now, apparently, he uh, put out a, a similarly scathing report a couple of years ago uh, prior to Cam Newton being drafted over uh, number one overall. And had a rather similar kind of scathing report about Cam Newton. Um, these are some of the things that, that Naraki actually wrote in his report with regard to Geno Smith. Very g- disingenuous, has a fake smile, comes off as very scripted and has a selfish me-first makeup. Always knows where the cameras are in place to them. Has an enormous ego with a sense of entitlement that continually invites trouble. And an enormous ego with a sense of a, uh, and, I'm sorry, and makes him believe he is above the law, does not command respect from teammates, and will always struggle to win a locker room, lacks accountability, focus, and trustworthiness, is not punctual, seeks shortcuts, sets bad examples, immature, and has issues with authority, not dependable. My gosh. I mean, he goes on after the fact and, and, and just talking about how he conducts himself as an athlete in the quarterback position, not a student of the game. Nonchalant field presence, does not command respect from teammates, mild practice demeanor, no urgency, Wow. not committed or focused, marginal work ethic, interviewed poorly at the combine, did not show any understanding of concepts on the whiteboard, opted not to compete at the Senior Bowl, uh, and has approached off-season training as if he has already arrived, um, uh, really struggled handling uh, the snow in the pinstripe bowl, uh, and will be troubled by the elements. Needed to be coddled in college, cannot handle hard coaching. Whoa. This is a guy that we are talking about potentially being drafted in the top five. Worse yet, worse yet <laughs> my, my Philadelphia Eagles are looking at potentially taking him in the number four and apparently are, are working him out uh, today uh, privately. I guess down at their facility because I believe he's in town in Philadelphia. Yeah. Now you know. Now let me ask you this. Now you watched a lot more of Geno Smith than I have. Um, do you agree with this report from Nolan Araki, or you think it's just way off? Um, some of his, some of the comments he made with regard to his conduct on the field, with regard to actually playing the position, I might take some exception to them. I think it. I think some of those sounded a bit harsh. Uh, the ones that refer to his character. Uh, you know, the things that where he talks about uh, the ego and the self-centeredness and the selfishness. Of course, you know, I, I, I don't know him personally, uh, and it's difficult to assess when you're simply watching him play the game. Yeah. So that kind, of, that kind of assessment is very, very difficult to make. Uh, uh, you know, it, you almost hate to think that somebody would have an axe to grind against somebody. Yeah. You know, the, you know why would you put out a report <laughs> like this? Uh, Naraki is considered to be one of the, you know, one of one of an esteemed 
number of, of different scouts. Um, it, you know, this is a report that's available to anybody that any team that would be looking to take Geno Smith. Yeah. Now, do you think Nolan Araki actually knows Geno Smith uh, personally to make some of these comments, or I would, I would do you think he's way off? I would certainly hope that at some point or another, in order to make this kind of assessment, I don't know how he makes the, the, the character assessments. I don't know how those come about. If somebody knows out there how the character assessments get placed into uh, scouting reports, um, I don't know if that's a combination of interviews that are shared by perhaps some of the coaches that interviewed him at the combine, yeah, uh, or where that where, where that where that information comes from, or if Naraki himself interviewed uh, Gina Smith. Um, but you know, Jonathan, it goes back to what I was mentioning. And I've been mentioning now so, so many times all through the college football season and afterward. And as we've gone, you know, here we are, what, we're only uh, about three weeks away from the draft. We already know it's a very weak uh, a draft for quarterbacks. Anyhow, it's a weak draft for a lot of positions, particularly on the offensive side of the ball. But this was a guy, Geno Smith, that was being talked about during the season as, at best, perhaps maybe a third-round pick, maybe a late second-round pick. And suddenly... His value has shot all the way up to within the top five. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it just seems to be so much blue smoke and mirrors. Yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know what's going on. But, uh, you know, let me just throw out these comments here. Um, Jake Spavital, the, uh, you know, his former coach at West Virginia, who's now Johnny Manziel's quarterback's coach at Texas A&M, uh, said that he was laughing with Geno Smith when discussing the report. Uh, he told Geno Smith, welcome to the business. And uh, here's a comment. From uh, Spavital saying, uh, I thought he was one of the hardest working quarterbacks I've ever been around. And uh, you have you have people who are about what can football do for me. Gino is about what can I do for football. If you take the game away from him, I think he dies. He also called Gino Smith a dream come true for a coach. So, uh, well, you know. you know, if he was still at uh, where where did uh, Smith West Virginia, right? Yes. If he was still at West Virginia, uh, and you said that's the coach, right? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, he's now the uh, quarterbacks coach at Texas A&M for Johnny Manziel. Right. If he were still at West Virginia, I would say, okay, well, that's what the coach is supposed to say because obviously, you know, the coach at West Virginia, if he were the coach of West Virginia, he wants Geno Smith to go high because that helps his recruitment issue. Oh, absolutely. Uh, but, you know, the fact he's not at West Virginia and he's making that comment. That says okay, a lot. It, it gives him a little bit of credibility. Yeah, that says a lot. I mean, you know, he's not going to come out and you know, you know, to, you know, say, you know, I, you know, this guy is a dream come true when he may not be. You know, that's because you know that's that's putting himself on the line because he's no longer the coach himself. He's now just the quarterbacks coach. So, absolutely. And if he goes in and turns out to be a bust within the first year, uh, you know, there might be some people that are going to throw his words right back at him. Yeah. Oh well, Jake Spavital said this. Well, you know, Jake Spavital was wrong, but I just don't see that. But now, now, let me ask you this. Looking at a recent mock draft, does this drop Geno Smith to a team like, let's say, the Jets and out of that first eight picks to a team that needs a quarterback? And we're going to get to a reason why the Raiders and the Cardinals probably won't take Geno Smith. Right. But does this report from Nolan Araki really hurt Geno Smith even more now? Well, it was very interesting because I was listening to Mike and Mike yesterday morning. Uh, and it was fairly early, and they were bringing this report up. And the thinking is that potentially it may drop him. Yeah. It may drop him. Now, is it going to drop him out of the first round 
the thinking is probably not. But you make a good point, Jonathan. It may drop him out of the top ten. Let's put it that way. Yeah. And now you're going to be looking at him being taken by one of the lesser teams who, who perhaps need a quarterback uh, who will be drafting later in the first round. Yeah. Uh, I still think he's probably going to go first round, um, <laughs> and, that, and that goes to you know the dearth of the of the quarterback position coming out of the draft. Yeah. Let me throw a question at you. Having read some of the comments from this report, would you be nervous about your Jets taking him uh, as as potentially your uh, franchise quarterback? Yes and no for a couple of different reasons. Number one, I want to know if Nolan Araki actually knows Geno Smith personally in order to make these kinds of comments. You can make comments about a player you see on TV, but that's not knowing him personally. That's not knowing the person that he is. Um, number two, um, I, I I think Geno Smith would probably work good under Marty Moore and Wig system, so I, I would be okay with that. It goes 50-50 with me. Uh, Jets do need a quarterback. Unfortunately, they got a lot of money invested in Mark Sanchez right now. Uh, bringing in David Garrard. You still have Tim Tebow on the roster. He definitely won't be there by uh, you know camp. It's 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 really, really hard to say, but I don't think Nolan Naraki's report, only because of Nolan Naraki's track record of giving miserable reports to um, black quarterbacks. And to me, I, I just don't take his word as bond, Mike. Well, all right. Now, let me let me play devil's advocate sure. um, because you said two things there. Uh, number one, uh, let's say for a moment that his comments – the Rockies' comments here were, in fact, based upon personal interviews that he had with Geno Smith. Now, does it change your opinion? Uh, and the second question I would have to you: You made a you made a, a, a special point of bringing a black quarterback. Do you think some of this is racially motivated? Uh, we've been hearing a lot about that today, believe it or not. Um, heard a lot of comments that Naraki was writing some stuff all of a sudden, uh, real positive stuff about some uh, black players uh, going into the draft out of out of nowhere. So uh, a lot of people are laughing about it on Twitter and on Facebook today, saying, "Oh yes, yeah, you know, just by writing that now, yeah, you're not a racist." So um, I'm not saying I'm not calling him a racist. I, I don't know if he is or not, uh, but that's a lot of the word going around on Twitter is today is that uh, you know he does have a track record of writing a lot of negative things about uh, black players. So huh. yeah, I, I you know I, I don't know if that's the case. I don't know Nolan Naraki personally. I, I don't know of his work. Um, you know, who knows? You know, it's uh, hard to say. You know. Now, if his if his uh, if his assessment was based upon personal interviews, does that change your opinion about Geno Smith? Not really. I mean, you know what, man? You can interview a player and you can know a player personally. That's still two different things. If he's going up to Geno Smith and Geno Smith's acting like this to a guy he doesn't know who's interviewing him, that's only going to raise his draft stock. Then there's something wrong there. Um, if Nolan Rocky's coming out with his reports because he hangs out with uh, Geno Smith and he has hung out with him before and he knows people that are close to him and he's close to himself, that's a different thing. You know what I mean? Right. It's it's I don't know. It's 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 really really hard to say. I just don't believe um, most of Nolan Rocky's report holds any water. So okay, you know that's me though. All right. Um, I, I I will be honest. If if for if my Eagles were to pick, pick Geno Smith, as a result of this report, I'm going to be keeping a very very 
uh, firm eye on Gina Smith. Oh, absolutely. Of course. And you know what? Of course you would. But then again, you know what, man? If this was somebody like a Charlie Casserly or somebody that's really, really connected in the football world, I mean, I, 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 I've never really heard of Nolan Araki, and I'm big up on football, Mike. Mm-hmm. So to me, it's like, does his word hold any kind of bond whatsoever? Right. I don't know. You know, is is, is this guy one of the biggest um, – you know, evaluators of talent coming out of the NCAA and into the NFL. I don't know because I barely heard of the guy. So, right, right. you know, to me, it's it's not going to hold any uh, water. You know, if this was, um, you know, a former NCAA coach, that coach, you know, Smith coming out saying, oh, I don't think he's going to be good in the NFL because of his attitude, that's a different story. You know, mm-hmm. that that really holds a lot of water. Nolan Rocky, don't know who he is. He doesn't really hold a lot of water in, in, in this instance to me. So, Gotcha. Gotcha. But we'll see what happens. Uh, let's uh, stay on the uh, quarterback trend here. Let's talk about this real quick. Uh, Carlson Palmer going from the Oakland Raiders to the Arizona Cardinals um, for a swap of draft picks and a conditional pick as well. What do you uh, What do you think of this trade, Mike? Well, well Mike, you know, this is, to me it's kind of amusing. Um, uh, we've got Palmer going to uh, the Cardinals. And you got Cobb going to the Bills from the Cardinals. And the question that I threw out to you yesterday um, via text, I said, uh, uh, you know, is this an upgrade? Really? Is this an upgrade for either I team? I don't think so. I, I mean, you had – Case Palmer. Well, let's take a look at Buffalo for a moment. You're going to go from um, Fitzpatrick to Kevin Cobb. I don't know if I. I don't know if that's. I don't know if I. I, I if I think that that's an upgrade or not. But they were Cobb. If that was me. Uh, and and over in the Cardinals, we're going to go from Cobb to Carson Palmer. <laughs> I uh, to me to me that, it's it, one of those things that make you go hmm. Not only do you get Carson Palmer before you know after you get rid of Kevin Cobb, but you give him a two-year, sixteen million dollar deal. Yeah. Plus, you get rid of another pick. Really, a team? Listen, a team that should possibly be rebuilding after losing guys like uh, Kurt Warner and whatnot. You're going to bring in a 33 year old quarterback and give him a two year deal? Yeah, it's a little pricey, wasn't that? That was a bit pricey, I think, for for what they're for what they're getting. Yeah. Uh, and I think I made that comment to you as well. Um, you know, you gotta you gotta wonder. Let's let go. Let's go back to Cobb for a moment. Kevin Cobb was was doing quite well there at the beginning of the season. We've talked about it many times before with Arizona. Uh, it, what, they were 4-0, were they not, uh, at the beginning of the season? Yes, with Cobb. Cobb playing quite well. Then he gets injured, and uh, then the team goes down, you know, gets flushed. Yeah. Okay? Uh, as, they, as they jumped around from Skelton, and who else did they have in there? Uh, some no-name quarterback, yeah, as usual. Yeah. So, uh the the question I have uh, is there something here about Cobb that that we don't know is he is he an injury issue? I I don't know you you know what you would know that better than anybody you're an Eagles fan you saw a lot of you know you you saw a lot more Cobb than most of us did. Well, and in fact, really we didn't see that's the whole thing. Yeah. Here in Philadelphia, we never really got a chance to see Cobb. Yeah. You know there were a lot of people that said uh, that there were a lot of fans that still think that the Eagles made a mistake in moving Cobb. Uh, so we, you know, we really don't know. We never had a chance really to see the guy play too, too much. Yeah. 
But I'm just wondering because, I mean, you know, look, you start the season 4-0 and with a guy, and he gets injured and he goes down, and he never really gets a chance to come back in the season to show whether he was capable of continuing that kind of progress with the team. And then in the off season, you're moving him. And you're moving him for Carson Palmer. Yeah. And it, to me, it's it's befuddling. It's, I don't know. I don't know. It's it's just mind-boggling. It's just mind-boggling. It's not only that the Cardinals made this move, let's talk now about the Bills move. Yeah. And that's getting rid of Ryan Fitzpatrick after signing him to this monster, monster deal. And you know that they're on tap for money now in that Fitzpatrick deal still. Then they bring in Kevin Cobb. Right. Right. And see, that's what Now, I'm is that an upgrade? Well, see, I don't think so. No. That's that. I mean, that's just. If Cobb is an injury risk, Fitzpatrick is probably better at staying on the field. But considering he's so prone to throwing six interceptions a game. I, I, you know, Mike. Listen, I'm I'm going to be honest with you. I I uh, I, I'm not a Fitzpatrick hater. Um, I don't think he's horrible. Um, he's one of those quarterbacks out there who I think is very very serviceable. Um, Fitzpatrick didn't have the tools around him that he needed in order to be successful. Let's get that one straight. And, and Kevin Cobb is going to walk right into the exact same situation, uh, except he has one more downside. And that is that right now, both you and I, and perhaps maybe others, yeah. are questioning whether the guy can stay healthy. I wonder. You know, I guess we'll see it in Buffalo this year. You know, he's in the hard-hitting AFC East now. Yeah. He gets leveled. He gets leveled. Um, let me ask you this, though, now. Let's talk about Ryan Fitzpatrick real quick. Him going to Tennessee, is he taking a back seat now to Jake Locker? And is that him? You know, is that it? I mean, you know, do you think he should have waited out there for a starting job? Or do you think he was promised a starting job and Jake Locker is going to take a back seat? I'll tell you right now, if I were if if I were there and if I were running things on that team, I would tell both quarterbacks that it's wide open and they got to compete for the job. Yeah. I mean, that's how I would handle it. But then again, he goes to another team where really no weapons. Uh, Yeah, yeah. You know, yes, the running game has improved now with the signing of Sean Green and uh, taking some carries away from Chris Johnson, but really, that's about it. He's got a slightly better, I would say he's got a slightly better, not much, a slightly better offensive line in front of him. Well, slightly better, yeah, but uh, still not a good team. So you go from one basement dweller to another, basically. Well, Jonathan, and in all three of the names that we've just talked about, Palmer, Cobb, Fitzpatrick, that's exactly what we've just talked about. To the land of mediocrity. Yes, we've talked about teams swapping mediocrity. That's what they're doing. And and you just got to wonder whether, in fact, any of these teams are really getting any kind of an upgrade in what they're they're doing. I I mean, it just makes you sit back and scratch your head. I don't know, man. It's it's insane what's going on right now. Uh, It's... (laughs) I got to tell you, man, I'm really looking forward to the football season, right? Because I want to see how a lot of these moves are going to play out for all these different teams, including my Jets. I mean, there's just so many moves happening in the NFL. It's 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 going to be hard to keep track of these players. You're going to see players making, uh, you know, plays in these games. You're like, whoa, I, you know what? I totally forgot about that guy. I forgot. Yes, I forgot. Yeah. Uh, no, I couldn't agree with you more. I am I am absolutely looking forward to, uh, you know, uh, I, 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 this is crazy because I, I mean, I'm actually looking forward to. Well, here I am. I'm in Philadelphia. We've got a new coach and what have you. So I'm actually looking forward to OTAs. I can't wait to see how things come out in those. Yeah. No, there's going to be a lot of competitions going around the league. Yep. But I mean, I'm going to be curious to see what the reports are with the way uh, Chip Kelly runs things here in Philadelphia. I mean, I'm really going to be interested about that. Yeah. 
That's so uh, you know, it, you're you're absolutely right. It's it's going to be a compelling, and you know, and it all it, it's it really it's starting right now because many of these teams have already are already doing OTA workouts, or at least they're 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 bringing their teams together. All right, I know the Philadelphia Eagles have. Uh, they started before anybody else, actually. I believe on April first, which was when Monday. Yes. Uh, and now at least they're getting their their, their teams pulled together. Uh, and I think OT, some OTAs actually. I saw the schedule the other day. Um, were there team? I guess it's right after the draft. I think. Yeah, it's uh, it's in May. Okay, it's right yeah. after the draft. Yeah, because yeah. we right uh, yeah. was talking to uh, a, yeah. a, a current football player that we're expected to have on and. We have to reach out to him after right. OTAs. So. Right, right. Um, well, we we got a deal in the NHL, Mike. Uh, Oilers acquired forward Jared Smithen from the Panthers. Who? Exactly. Exactly. Okay, so far that's about it. Um, <laughs> let's talk about another quarterback real quick. Tony Romo of the Dallas Cowboys, Cowboys quarterback, uh, has become the 15th player in NFL history to sign for at least $100 million, signing a $119.5 million seven-year deal a couple of weeks ago, Mike. What do you think of this? <laughs> absolutely ludicrous. This is absolutely ludicrous. Six-year extension, okay? Um, I'm going to tell you, if I, if I were on that team, if I were a couple of the Cowboys that perhaps had my contract restructured uh, recently by Jerry Jones, I'd be pretty pissed. Um, look, I've made it clear, and I'm on record. I'm not a Romo hater. I I think I think he's a good quarterback. I would take him on my team. Yeah, I've said that before. I agree. But I'm going to tell you right now, 108 million uh, extension worth 108 million. I think it said here. Uh, total total value would be 119 million um, for six years. This is ludicrous. You could have done something with him for far less than that. Oh yeah, absolutely. absolutely. And I think that that's where there are so many questions about it. It's not that Romo got an extension. It's that it's of the magnitude that it is for a guy that has won how many playoff games? I forget. Somebody there were there were Dallas there were Dallas fans. Tops, that was it, right? There were Dallas fans that were throwing it out to me the other day over on my Frat House page and I forget what the number is. But it's it's a it's a ridiculously minuscule number. Yeah. You know? Uh, and this is how we. This is what this is like a reward. He won one playoff game. Everybody says that's the what I thought. That's yeah. what I thought. It was one playoff. That's what I thought it was. Okay. Yeah. Well, uh, I didn't want to go and say it without having the facts right in front of me. But um, absolutely ludicrous. Uh, I, I'm, I'm blown away by it. I really am. Yeah. Um, I, I frankly, John, I think it's going to come back and I think it's going to come back and bite them right in the ass. Probably, but you know what? It is Dallas, and a lot of things have bitten him in the ass, so we'll see what happens with that. But let's run down this list real quick, Mike. I want to throw out these names to you of uh, players that signed for over $100 million in the NFL. Uh, leading the pack, Calvin Johnson at $132 million. Mike Vick, second at $130 million. Larry Fitzgerald, $120 million. Carlson Palmer, one nineteen. So there have been worse deals for a quarterback. Uh, Donovan McNabb, 115. Drew Bledsoe, 103. Dante Culpepper, 102. Brett Favre, 100. Adrian Peterson, 100. Albert Hainsworth, 100. Mike Vick, yet again, $100 million. Mario Williams, $100 million. And Drew Brees, $100 million. So Tony Romo goes right in there. And uh, he's right above Carlson Palmer, but just by $500,000 to uh, take over that fourth uh, place spot on the list. 
you mentioned 13 spots there, of which, as you uh, mentioned them, I was just doing a tick list here. Six of them were worth it, perhaps. At least they. Well, I'll tell you right now, Calvin Johnson. Yes. Larry Fitzgerald. Yes. Uh, um, Brett Favre. Yes. Adrian Peterson. Yes. Drew Brees. Yes. That's five. There's one more. I forget who who I who I. Unless, unless you put Mike. Oh, oh, well, McNabb too. Come on. I mean, listen. He didn't get you a Super Bowl, but the guy, he played his heart out. So. Okay, and then I had seven that were absolutely not worth it over on the other side. <laughs> well, that's a lot of them. So. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? I guess you can't really knock the Romo deal when you look at some of these other deals to uh, Cole well, and uh, I, so. That's a valid point, my friend. You're, that's that's a good point. Yeah, you maybe maybe we're maybe we're being premature here. I don't know. We shall see what happens, Mike. It's going to be a very 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 interesting NFL season. I'm I'm afraid, however, it's going to hamstring that team. That's what I'm I'm afraid of. Yeah. So. I guess we'll see what happens. Uh, I, I'm, I'm already looking forward to it. I wish it was starting tomorrow. So, Good luck. Um, all right, let's uh, throw out a couple of things here. We're uh, only got about three minutes left in the show. Um, last night's show, Mike, Wrestle Chat Radio, we had the uh, privilege and pure honor to uh, have joining us WWE legend George the Animal Steel last night. Right. Joining us on the show was also the Southern Stomper Luke Hawks. Great, great show. I want everybody, if, if if you're interested in listening to it, if you're a wrestling fan, you got to listen to it because the stories from George and the stories from Luke were great. You can find it right here on blogtalkradio.com slash fanjunkies, or you can go over to wrestlechat.net, and it's up there to listen to. Great, great, great stuff. Also, tomorrow, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, Sports Blogger Radio with John Leary and Scott Blooney. They're going to be talking about Boston Red Sox opening day baseball, and they're also going to be talking about the Boston Bruins acquiring Yarmie Yager, Mike. Yes. Um, they're happy about it. They should be. They are happy about it. Um, I would be happy, too, if I gave up a crap load for a 42-year-old player. Um, <laughs> rim shot. That's for you guys over there in Boston, man. We love you, though. Um, yeah, so tune in tomorrow at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Sports Blogger Radio right here on the Fan Junkies Radio Network. Great, great stuff. They're doing a really good job, and uh, we're happy to have them on board with us. Absolutely. And we have to say, best sports movies ever over at FrightHouseSports.net. We did the show last Friday here. We took all the movies. We ranked them up. They're in a poll system. Head over there and vote now because the voting is very, very close on a lot of these categories. We have baseball Football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and other. Please vote now. Voting will close on Friday, and we will announce the results this Friday. It's going to be great, so get over yep. there and do that. Absolutely. Um, well, that's about it for today. We want to thank all of you for uh, tuning in to Fan Junkies Radio yet again. Without you, we'd be nothing. And uh, it's great to be back, and I'm glad um, I got to be here, and nobody was uh, ripping me today and taking some shots at me. Oh, we did it quietly. No, you didn't, because I heard it. Uh, <laughs> all right, so it's great. So again, go there, uh, FridaySports.net, and vote on the greatest movies ever, and we will be announcing them on Friday and also tomorrow, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, Sports Blogger Radio with John Leary and Scott Blooney. Uh, so for Mike McShane, I'm Jonathan Ragus. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you all tomorrow for Sports Blogger Radio. Catch you then.